Mr. Bishop Chris, I see you sometimes on the court. <laughs> and sometimes you be handing these brothers, you be handing them, they lunch. Sometimes you be getting up in, <laughs> you be getting up in these brothers. I need to know, Bishop, Pastor Chris, when you cuss somebody out, do you pull them to the side later and lay hands <laughs> on them? Do Listen. you? How do you deal Listen. with this duality, Reverend Bishop Elder Doctor? I am not a bishop or a pastor because I'm, <laughs> look, like me and my boy Gennaro Pargo used to always say, we all fall short. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We all fall short. Listen, I'm still a work in progress. <laughs> I'm still a work in progress. Brothers and sisters. <laughs> My name is Kirk Franklin, and I come to give you good words. Let's go. Today, I'm spending time with an icon, an icon. And I know we throw these terms around, but let me just open up the book for you. Uh-huh, it's from the book of uh, CP3. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start it off in high school where he was a North Carolina Mr. Basketball uh, and a McDonald's All-American. Mm-hmm. And then if you turn the page over a couple of chapters, I need a witness up in here. Uh, you have NBA Rookie of the Year. <laughs> Flip it over a few more chapters. Uh-huh. Look and tell somebody you have a four-time All-NBA First Team selection and a 10-time NBA All-Star. Yes, yes. And ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, friends and friendettes, he is a two-time Olympic gold medalist and he's the president. I said president. Tell somebody, President, of the NBA Players Association. Oh, that felt real good to me. He's a guaranteed first ballot Hall of Fame, uh, H to the A to the LL Hall of Famer. That's right. He's one of the greatest point guards to play the game. And I also hear he owns a rib and mustard green taco shack in Winston-Salem called Cooking with Chris. Please welcome out of the wake of the forest, number three, I call him my brother, Chris Paul. Put your hands together as he comes now. Listen here, I, I thought we was opening up the New Nation Project again. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. I got to do it for you, brother. I got to do it. <laughs> Yo, man, first thing I got to say to you, Chris, is, you know, you have always, and you know I know nothing about basketball, and I think that's why you love me. <laughs> I mean, when you were in... Um, New Orleans, you hugged me up. You told me to come at you to the game. I'm sitting on the court. I didn't even know what I was doing. I, and I was sitting on the court with church shoes. I didn't even, <laughs> that was I when you was filming Sunday even, Best. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, you've always been mad cool to me, man. And I just am so grateful. Uh, you know, every time I come to your city, your mama going to call me and she going to get about 40 or 50 backstage passes. And I'm going to make sure she get about 700 of them. <laughs> every time. <laughs> every time. How she doing? She doing well, man. Her my dad back in North Carolina, you know, missing family just like everybody else. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. How's Jade and the kids doing? They're doing well, too. Everybody's doing well. I mean, I'm in Phoenix uh, without my family, man. But, uh, you know, I'm just grateful and thankful that I get a chance to work right now. You know, I come from a tight-knit, close family, and not being able to see them is probably the toughest part right now. But 
I'm healthy. I'm blessed. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here talking to you right now. <laughs> Chris, how have you been able to do that? I don't, you know, I'm so much a person that can't stand being by myself. How do you do that? Man, um, whew. you, you got to have people that you can talk to. You really got to have people that you can reach out and talk to. And uh, luckily, I love this game of basketball like, like nothing else. Uh, but I love my family. Uh, you have to understand that it's, it's a bigger cause, you know, and I'm, I'm out here actually providing. I think that's the thing yeah. that, that, that keeps me going. But I'm, I'm human. I'm just like anybody else. I hate being by myself, too. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of firsts for me during this season. First time I've been in an NBA city, like, alone. And with all the different COVID protocols, there's no going home whenever you want to. You know, so it's tough. Wow. Wow. Now, as I know that Pops, like your dad was a major influence on your athletic career. And you got to tell me, was he was he more like a Joe Jackson kind of daddy yeah. or an Uncle Phil kind of daddy? Hey, he wasn't Which Uncle one Phil. Was I'll tell you that much. <laughs> my dad was really hard on me and my brother. And it wasn't just athletically. It was just life. Like, he taught us how to be men growing up, you know, taking out the trash, your chores. And I had curfew. I couldn't do whatever I wanted to do. I I wondered if my dad really? even, I, I wondered if my dad even liked me at times, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and when you think about it, you know, like I, I tell you before, Kurt, like I was uh Sunday school at eight o'clock. I was a usher. My mom was a oh my deaconess. My dad was a deacon. I was at church service. We was at evening service, you know, so. You was a church boy. What? Church boy. Listen. You listen. a church boy. <laughs> listen. Now, now here's my question for you with that. Were mm -hmm. you also an athlete and church boy, like at the same time, or did the athlete kick in later? Oh, no. Always was athlete. <laughs> Always. Okay. Played football and basketball. I mean, me and my brother, <laughs> when our schedule would come out, you know, we'd be in church, you know, sitting in the pew looking like, all right, mom, we got a game. We got to leave early. We got to leave early. <laughs> but, you know, you don't want to leave. Yeah. You don't want to leave church in the middle of the sermon because the pastor might call you out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all these levels of church, too. And you think about it. When we was growing up, there wasn't no such thing as children's church. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you, that's right. You sat in there in the pew next to your parents and was in there yeah. trying to, like, outline stuff. And they tried to give you stuff to keep you busy. <laughs> And, it was so and I'd fall boring, asleep. Bro. Listen, if I fell asleep in church and my head hit that pew and it was so loud. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I want to ask you, though, as a youngin and, you know, you dressed up like an usher and and you got a dope fit on you trying to get to the game is I want to know, because, you know, like I was a bad kid in school. I had ADD back then. They didn't know what that was. You know, just called a little dumb boy. And I really didn't have dreams coming up as a kid. You know, I dreaming was a luxury that I couldn't afford. Right. When you were like 10 and 11, what were you dreaming about, Chris? Man, when I was 10 or 11, I, I was dreaming about hopefully making it to the NBA. I wanted to make it to the NBA and the NFL. <laughs> I wanted to make it to both. I didn't, I didn't realize, really? yeah, I didn't realize that you couldn't do both because the seasons overlap, right? You know, as, as a young really? kid, you see Deion Sanders out there, you know, you see Bo Jackson, they playing two sports. It's like, oh, well, I'm going to go to the yeah. NFL and the NBA. When did you play in football? I played quarterback and I played middle linebacker. That's why I'm like kind of rough on the court. I just, <laughs> I like that contact. Uh, were you nice? Yeah. Like, were you nice at football? Yeah, so I played two years of varsity football and JV basketball, my freshman and sophomore year. 
So I was on varsity football and JV basketball. That's kind of backwards, ain't it? Well, you know, nothing about your career has been backwards, brother. Nothing about it has been backwards. I want to know from so many of these moments that you've had as a youngin', Chris, I'm quite sure that people have thought that this has been easy. You know, I'm even listening to you now talk about just the pain of being by yourself. And I know you've had to go through so many grueling moments in high school and college and being, you know, selected to all this stuff, you know, McDonald's and Rookie of the Year. Uh, there's a cost for that level of success. Yeah. Like it costs you something. Can you help somebody who may want your spot, who may, you know, envy the level of success that you have, but they don't know the cost behind it? Would you mind being a little open and just helping us with the cost of what it has cost you to be Chris Paul? Man, I, I tell you, and, and when I say this, and I know you know, Kirk, um, I hope no one takes this as a complaint at all. I'm just sort of telling you my story because I know how blessed and fortunate I am. Um, you know, there's all these dreams and aspirations to change the livelihood for your family. And, you know, you want to get this for your mom and dad. You want to get this for your your homies, your brothers, your grandparents and all that. I think the biggest thing that I miss after all of the success is my family. <laughs> you mm. know, I, I went to college in my hometown and then I went to the NBA after two years of college and I moved away. Like my first two years in the NBA, I was in Oklahoma because of Hurricane Katrina. Then I went to New Orleans. Then I was in LA and then I've been to Houston, Oklahoma and now Phoenix. But I grew up around all my family all my cousins, all my aunts and uncles. And mm. now when work started, I don't get to go home, you know? Yeah. So the hardest yeah. thing for me is when I played in LA for the Clippers, every holiday, every Christmas, I would fly 50 of my family members to me because I would have a wow. game and I couldn't go to them. So I had to bring them to me. And so like, even, wow. even to this day, you know, I, I'm so, proud and fortunate that I get to do what I do. But my little cousins, they don't really know me, <laughs> you know, because mm -hmm. they don't get to see uh -huh. me like that. You know, yeah. they know what they yeah. think of me. Yeah. But um, I think that's that's the toughest part. You know, you hear about all these horror stories of athletes and money and people going broke. And I know that there's a player uh, that used to play here in Dallas for the Mavericks and, and, and uh, he's been homeless. And I think they've been trying to get him help. I think he um, has had some issues. And I believe that Mark Cuban has been trying to get involved to help him. Do you know the gentleman's name I'm talking about? Yes, sir. Delonte West. Yes, yes, man. You know, and now mind you, I'm a civilian. Like, I'm, I'm not a big sports guy. And when I see things like that, it just breaks my heart when I see the humanity and sometimes how people overlook that human part of you because all they do is that they focus on the celebrity of either who you were or what you're not anymore, right? Hmm. Can you give some young kids, some young boys in college, some young men that need to know, like when you went to your bank account for the first time and you saw that your life had changed overnight, right? Yeah. You saw that no longer did you have $12.17 in the ATM, but it was more than that. It was more, you know, like you were blessed in ways that you probably would have never imagined. How did that, not suffocate you and get you lost where you didn't lose your hunger for your gift? Man, Kurt, there's so many different layers to that question you just asked. Like, I still remember like it was yesterday, you know, and I was a sophomore in college, had $151 in my bank account, declared for the draft, 
agent asked if I wanted $100,000 up front. Thankfully, I said no, because my parents said that's too much. (laughs) But $25,000, it happened that day. I went to the bank down the street and went and just wanted to get a statement. Yes. You know, you put your credit card in, (laughs) just like get a statement. Yeah. I got the statement and that thing said 25,151 and I was tripping. Lord Jesus. Went right went right to the mall with my girl, my homie, his girl, and said, buy something, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But I say that all to say, you know, young men, especially men of color, um, we don't know these type things. You know, the biggest thing that a lot of us lack is financial literacy. Yes. And so when we do make it, our signs of basically showcasing that we made it is the biggest chains, the nicest cars, the most clothes, you know, all this different type stuff. And the people around us, they don't know either, Mm. you know? Mm. So you're immediately consumed. Cause I don't know about you, Kirk, but when I was growing up, you know, if if you gave me a million dollars, I thought everybody was good. Yeah. The whole hood, everybody, everybody going to be good. Yes. Yes. You know, but it's, it's stuff that we have to stop making taboo. No, nobody talks about money. Nobody, nobody. Nobody talks about the trauma and all the stuff that, you know, you face as a as a young man or woman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, And Chris, and they don't talk enough about survivor's remorse. Like you probably mm -hmm. maybe did you ever go through some guilt like, man, I feel what? Yeah. It's like like you feel bad. People will make you feel guilty and make you feel bad real quick for being somewhat successful. And so that's the hardest part, too. That's the hardest part. And so you're dealing with all that. You're managing this. Um, Nobody in my family had ever seen this type of money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, you know, it gets tough when family members or this person, you know, you're still a kid. And I think that's the biggest thing that I learned as a 19-year-old millionaire, right? I think everyone always thinks whoever is the breadwinner is the leader of the family. Mm. Right? But that's not the case. Mm. Just because I made it to the NBA, my dad's still the head of the family. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's so good, CP. That's so good. Who meant, who taught you that? Who sacrificed to help teach you that? Who was the person that you can point back to and say, that was the person that gave me the light that I needed to not fail at that same mistake that we continue to repeat as young black men or young men that come into uh, a level of quick success? You know, I think my dad did an amazing job of always being consistent. That's the that's the thing. And it's crazy. I don't ever think about it. I talk about my dad a lot, you know, but my dad has always been consistent. And what happens a lot of times when guys become successful, a lot of times people will be like, you know, if they get an award, they'd be like, mama, I want to thank my mama. You know, and I, I love my mama to death. I love my mama to death. But my dad has just always been consistent and he's still my end all be all. Wow. Right. Wow. And that, like, for me as a man, like, my dad is the standard. And I'm 35 years old with kids of my own, but Mm. I still care what my dad thinks. (laughs) Wow. Man, I pray someday that my kids, as I hope my son will speak about me the way you're speaking about your dad. um, Because there's nothing more in the world, Chris. I'm telling you, whenever your dad hears you talk about him like this, you have no idea what this does to a daddy. Yeah. It's crazy because as I get older, my son is 11 now, right? And I watch him as I get older and I watch how I talk to him. And, you know, there's conversations that I have with my son that my dad never had with me, Mm. (laughs) you know? 
And I always, I, I learn. there's things, you know, when you become a parent, you're like, all right, I'm gonna take some of this from my dad and you know, this and that. And I see the relationship because my grandfather got murdered when I was in high school. Yeah, man. And that was tough. That, that was tough. That was, you know, one of those moments that let me know that life is precious and anything can happen at any given time. But when I lost my grandfather, who was my best friend, um, it, it, it showed me a lot. Tell me a little bit about Mr. Nathaniel Jones. <laughs> Tell me about him. Oh, man, my granddad was everything. Like, when I said I didn't think my parents liked me, I wasn't tripping because my granddad had my back. <laughs> wow. You know, and uh, my, my grandmother died from lung cancer when I was eight. And that was my mom's mom. And then this was my mom's dad. And I'm actually, uh, I'm doing a book right now. I'm doing a book and a movie with Disney about my relationship with my granddad. Wow. Beautiful. And he was just, every, he had the first Black-owned service station in North Carolina. And you used to work there, right? Oh, did I? Boy, I was rotating <laughs> tires, changing oil. And it, it taught me about hard work because, you know, if I wanted some shoes or something to hoop in or anything, I wouldn't ask my granddad. He'd be like, okay, come work at the service station for a week. Chris, let me ask you this, man, because you are so vulnerable about your journey through this about Mr. Nathaniel Jones. And, and um, unfortunately, his life was taken. And uh, he was murdered, and it was at the hands of some young kids that did it. How, how did you maneuver your faith in that moment and not be angry at God and still end up liking God after that? I was angry. <laughs> Very. You know, I questioned a lot of things. You know, they always say, why does bad things happen to good people? Yeah. And my parents have always said everything happens for a reason. So I questioned God for a while, <laughs> for, yeah. for a long time. And um, uh, I don't know. You know, you just see the way life continued to go on. And, you know, there's these moments that happen throughout life. Uh, the birth of my son, the birth of my daughter, all these moments in life and I watch it and it goes on. I see family doing this or Christmas gatherings and I just know that he's there, right? Wow. And then I'm not me and able to do what I do on a daily basis without, you know, these different trials and tribulations, so. Listen, man, did you ever run into this, this issue with your faith and forgiveness and how did you get through that issue, or is that still something every day that is just a journey? You know, have you forgiven the young man? Is it something that you still walk through in your faith? Because I don't know how that feels. And I can't tell you what I would do if I was ever in that situation. I don't know, because forgiveness is something that is such, such a, a big ask of God when something like this happens. You know, it took me a long time, it took me a long time, but I, I did, you know, forgive or just basically sort of moved on from it because I knew that the hatred in my heart, it wasn't going to bring my granddad back. But as I got older, I also started saying like, man, that's a long time for a kid to be behind bars. Really? Right? Really? Yeah, absolutely. Wow, um, Chris. If I'm being completely honest, though, it, it gets tough because... I was a college kid when the trial happened and my parents didn't allow me to go and didn't know much. So it is a little different, you know, bringing all those feelings and emotions back up. But um, 
my granddad has impacted my life so much. You know what I mean? In that, in that amount of time that he was here, that, I don't know, I still have my days. Yeah. Ain't no question about that. I still have my days because my granddad, for real, was my ace. I was with him the day before he got murdered. I was with him at a game the night before, so he'll always be with me. I think the thing that makes me the saddest is that my kids didn't get a chance to meet him. Mm. You know, but wow, they know him. <laughs> wow, Chris. Wow. Wow. How how has this affected even your own personal thoughts about your own life and death? Um, my mom growing up used to always say, you never know when it's your time. You never yeah. know when it's your time, you know? And it's something that, that almost gives me anxiety because I just love life and I love being here. And I think it is somewhat of being a provider. And it's like, I just, I at least want to be here for my kids. Mm. And I, I look at my mom and sometimes, and I think about how strong she is and that she lost my grandmother when I was eight. And then lost my grandfather when I was 17. And I couldn't imagine at 35 now being without my mom or my dad, mm -hmm. you know? So I look at my, my kids' relationship with my parents and I love it. Even though I get mad sometimes because I'm like, y'all are not the same people. <laughs> y'all are not the same people <laughs> that, yeah. that, that raised me and my brother. Y'all are way nicer than my kids. It's crazy, ain't it? It's it crazy, is. ain't it? <laughs> but then but then I sit there, Kirk, I sit there and I say, well, you know, I I sat outside at my house um, when my parents first came and seen us after a long hiatus during the pandemic. And I sat out in the backyard and looked at my dad and my son shooting basketball. And I thought it was the most beautiful thing because I, I pictured me and my granddad, you know, and that's always a different relationship. Wow. Well, let me say to you, man, is I want to say to you just as your big bro that you should never, ever question or feel like you are deficient in any level of faith because you may still struggle with the issue of your own mortality. I need for you to know we all do. We all struggle with that tension of death because it will come knocking on all of our door and we all have to war and toggle with it. And and I, I just want to encourage you, man, never think that it is a, a deficiency of your faith because you're just still warring through what that is. And then what you've gone through has been so tragic. And I want to ask you this because I know you were part of that bigger family. What did it do to you and your other brothers in the league when you got the call about Kobe? Do you know where you were? Do you know what you were doing when you got that call? And Kirk, um, you know, so I played in Oklahoma City last year and my family was living in L.A. So uh, we actually had a game in Minnesota. We were going to have the day off um, the next day. So I had my brother my son and my brother's son, they flew to Minnesota for my game. After my game, all of us flew to LA and I was surprising my daughter at her recital. My daughter had a dance recital the next morning. Oh man, so I was in Calabasas. I was maybe 10 minutes away from where the incident occurred. Wow. At my daughter's recital when I, when I found out what happened. And so, uh, to me, it's still surreal. Me and Cole would go like stretches of 
like not talking or whatnot. You know, you just, everybody's pretty busy or whatnot. So uh, I think for me, that's how I, I don't know, process it. It's just that me, me and him ain't talked in a while. So it's still not real to me. Mm. Man, that's pretty deep, Chris. That's pretty deep. It is so obvious to me that that you have you have been in some deep parts of the water, brother. You've had to swim in some deep <laughs> parts of the water as a young man. And I want you to know that you do it well. You do it so well that I got to ask you, this Jesus that shines in you, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I love everything you said, I can feel your emotion. But Mr. Mr. Bishop, Chris, I see you sometimes on the court. <laughs> and sometimes you be handing these brothers, you be handing them, they lunch. Sometimes you be getting up in, <laughs> you be getting up in these brothers. I need to know, Bishop, Pastor Chris, when you cuss somebody out, do you pull them to the side later and lay hands <laughs> on them? Do Listen. you? How do you deal Listen. with this duality, Reverend Bishop Elder Doctor? I, I am not a bishop or a pastor because I'm, <laughs> look, like me and my boy Gennaro Pargo used to always say, we all fall short. Amen. <laughs> we Amen. all fall short. Listen, I'm still a work in progress. <laughs> I'm still a work in progress. You know, but um, during some games, well, after some games, sometimes I have a text from my mama. She'll be like, I seen what you said. <laughs> I seen what you said. Well, well, mama, you need to put that TV on mute. <laughs> have you ever had to go after you and let somebody have it? Have you ever had to go what? afterwards and kind of be like, bro, I, I just want to say that I'm, I'm, you know, my apologies, bro. <laughs> like, have you ever had to go back and, and kind of because maybe you heard somebody feelings made them cry? Yeah, yeah. I, I listen. I'm a totally different, different person on the court, and I tell, I tell them all the time, blame it on my head, not my heart, <laughs> not my heart, because I, I click out. I click out when I get on that court. It is very obvious, Mr. President of the NBA, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. NBA Players Association. But I think that 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 competitive spirit that you have is the reason why your credentials are so shining. It's just the reason why your longevity just continues to go before you, bro. And and I know that that type of competitiveness, even for me, you know, and I'm shorter than you, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm not, you know, as a dope, <laughs> you know, on the court as you, but I have a competitive spirit. And men, you are married men, you know what I'm saying? We married with these families, you love family. Is it hard for you to turn that competitive spirit off when you pull up in the driveway and you got to be just normal, Chris? Yeah, it's hard. And I just, I, I usually don't, to tell you the <laughs> truth. I don't. Because we, we play cards, me and my son. We play video games. My daughter, like, I always say my competitiveness might be the best thing somebody likes about me, but it might also be the worst thing somebody likes about me. But it, it's who I am. And... To tell you the truth, that's why I've been able to, thankfully, God willing, be in my 16th year. Wow. And I say it too, Kurt, like for you too, like you gotta, you gotta realize, man, like it's like Jekyll and Hyde with me, right? Like I'm two totally mm. different people on the court, off the court. If you put my, in the locker room before the game, let me tell you, I might be listening to Wayne, I might be listening to Jay, but mm. a lot of games, I'm, I listen to gospel before the game. You know what I mean? I love it. And you think about the music you making now, all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I grew up on silver and gold and all this stuff. You know what I mean? So it's unbelievable. Like, all this stuff is still so surreal. And you go from silver and gold to Snoop. I love it. I love it. Right. Oh, quick, fast, and <laughs> quick, in a hurry. Quick, quick, zero to 100. Did you and wifey, did y'all ever have to 
walk through that? Were there ever moments in your marriage that you, you know, like me and Tammy, you know, we love talking about how we've gone to therapy and how we have to work. Did you and wifey ever have to walk through your competitive Jekyll and Hyde thing to be able to try to kind of massage it and adjust it to the married life? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's forever changing. And I always say I'm not perfect by no means. Amen. Um, no, no way do I try to project that I am, you know, but I'm, I'm always a work in progress and so is, so is our relationships. When we get back, I asked Chris if his status as an NBA superstar ever conflicted with being a man of faith. More good words after the break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I have a question I've been wanting to ask you. Yep. Was it hard for you to live your faith out loud when you became this international star? Like, was it because, you know, sometimes it's always appeared that you can't be a believer and still have drip. You know what I'm saying? To have a little swag. Well, was, yeah. was it hard for yeah. you at first? I don't know if it's hard. It's just that maybe everyone expects you, you know, if you're a believer or whatnot, that you got to be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You know, and that's the thing that comes with judgment and all that stuff like that. Oh, this, that, and this, that. Um, I think for me, you know, I just remember always growing up in church, you know, they saying, you know, don't deny him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't don't deny him because then how you feel if he deny you when you get to the gates? <laughs> word up, <laughs> you know? word up, word up. So um, I think with every person, your faith is sort of individualistic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't have to basically thrust it on everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't dislike you because you don't believe the way that I believe, you know, but I can allow you to see God in me. That's right. That's you know, right. So You'll win somebody just through your love. You know what I mean? Some people will see a sermon before they read one or hear one, and they can see that through your life. I totally dig that on you. Have What has kept you being able to keep that balance where people respect your game, they respect your drip, and for you to be able to live your faith out loud, how how has that been for you personally? Um, you know, what's funny is I tell you when I went to co- I went to college in my hometown, right, Wake Forest. So mm-hmm. I was five ten minutes away from my church home, and I never forget uh, when I stayed on campus. It was like a Sunday morning. I woke up and I didn't go to church, right? Mm-hmm. 
And it might have been my mama. It's probably my mama. My daddy called me and was like, where you at? Where you at? I'm like, I'm at school. I'm at school. But that's 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 what happens when you go to school in your hometown. Because now I feel like I'm on my time. You know what I mean? But they they calling me talking about why you ain't at church. And then so you get into the NBA too. And you play on Sundays. You play on Wednesdays. You play on all this stuff. And the biggest thing that I always say, because I did a lot of moving, might not necessarily find a church home, is that it's the foundation. Mm-hmm. Like I got that foundation in me. So I could be going through a tough time and I can put on the the, the fight of my life. Uh, you know what I mean? That'd take me right to church. I'm just telling you like, for real, for real, like this Ladies is- and gentlemen, he's <laughs> dropping a lot of my albums, ladies and gentlemen. I just want y'all to know that's what he's doing for me right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm just, I'm just telling you, like, I know this is about me, but that versus that you and Fred did, oh, man. man, you just don't know. Wow. You just don't know. Like, I actually talked to a lot of people on the phone after that. Swiss actually called me. Wow. Swiss. Swiss Beats called me after because he saw me, like, chiming in on it. Yeah, man, thank you for pulling up, too. Man, man, it felt like church. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It felt so good. And so when you got that foundation in you, Mm. you can't never get so far. Wow. You know? Wow. See, and see, these are just things that just continue to show why you're still being so blessed in your career because you're being a light in your own way, doing it the way that you were put on earth to do. And I think that one thing that I can tell you as a layman, Chris, and I got to be like, like, I got to keep it a buck with you. It has brought tears to your boy's eyes to watch the level of leadership that I've seen you and other brothers in the NBA when it comes to all of the issues that have happened over the last year and all these different pandemics that we've been facing as black men and the leadership that y'all have taken. And I cannot tell you, I'm so proud of what I've seen. And if you don't mind giving me a play-by-play call on what was happening in the bubble when you guys were getting the calls about Brianna and getting the calls about George Floyd, because we were at home and and we were seeing y'all huddling up and moving from room to room. And I saw some guys walk off the court do you mind just sharing with some of us who didn't get a chance to live that? If we can just live vicariously through you in that moment, man, we want to feel what that was. Yeah. So, you know, going into the bubble uh, was a decision that we all made as a collective, as players, right? Obviously, we wanted to play games and um, it was therapeutic for all of us as a whole, but we left our families. Meanwhile, all the social injustice, all the social unrest, and now we're in the bubble and we're playing games. You play on Monday, you play on Wednesday, you play on Friday. And so you're alone. Once again, we mm-hmm. talked about that. You yeah. sort of by yourself, you yeah. with your teammates every now and then. Yeah. And the days that you're not playing games, you're preparing for the game. So if you play on Monday and you play on Wednesday, Tuesday, you're getting ready for the game. So you're not really getting a chance to deal with these different things, these different issues. And so, uh, when everything was happening, it was a lot. It was a lot. And guys, you know, not, don't even have time to get on the phone to check on you. You know what I mean? Mm. I just want to check on you, my brother, to see how you processing this, how mm. you thinking about it. And so when the Milwaukee Bucks decided they weren't going to take the court. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The rest of us stood in solidarity and was like, we feel you now. Now let's get together and let's talk about it. Wow. Let's 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 see what this means. Let's talk. Like that's the first time since I've been in the NBA that we all got together in a room and really got a chance to express our feelings. And it wasn't like, how does your body feel? Or 
how did that shot feel that you made the other night? This was like, no, like what's going on in your soul? Mm. Wow. <laughs> you know? Because wow. when the stuff happened with George Floyd, I was home and I could hold my son and my daughter and tell them what was taking place. When the stuff happened with Jacob Blake, some stuff just don't hit the same over the phone. Mm. And also a lot of us who are looked at as protectors of our family, we we couldn't be that at the time. So we just needed a reset to to analyze everything. And while you were talking, it just reminded me, Chris, this was your second time going through this. You went through this <laughs> back when you were playing for the Clippers, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. With the owner. Yeah, Donald Sterling had made some some racial comments that was that was crazy. And so yeah, unfortunately, they always say, you know, the best teacher is experience. Yeah. And so, you know, all these things that we go through, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is communication. Do you think that that first situation equipped you to help the other players this past summer, that you had been through some of it a little bit? You you had a chance to feel and emote what that feeling can be when, as a Black man, you feel this tension in America, do you think that it gave you the language to help some of the younger players when this happened again? I think it helped, but also being that I've been involved with the union now since my third year in the league, once you're a part of a, a union, it's a real team. Like it's a big team and you have to understand that the decisions you make affect more than just yourself, mm-hmm. right? You have to make decisions that's for the greater good of the entire league. So as emotional as we all were. And, you know, there was a lot of guys who like, man, how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna do this? You know, we came to a decision that was like, look, we can do both. We can, you know, spread our our social justice message and get people out to vote and play at the same time, right? So I'm I'm proud of our players for, for what they've not only did, but what they continue to do. So am I. So am I, so am I. And I hope that everyone else can really kind of speed up and learn from what you guys have done in an excellent way. Do do you feel that you have come out of this still winning? Were you afraid of losing some endorsements? Were you afraid of any backlash, repercussions from some of your deals? No, I was never afraid of that. I think because um, any partners that I have at this point in my career, they they know who I am and what I stand for. So at the end of the day, the decisions made as far as social injustice and all that was, I need my kids when they get older to understand in these different situations that we were on the right side of history. Yes, sir. <laughs> right? Yes, and sir. As, long as, as long as I know that, then I can sleep at night. Yes, sir. Chris, do you think that being a role model is an option or do you think it's part of the package? Um, first and foremost, any and everything is an option. I know it sounds crazy, but I think it's part of what comes with it. And when you have kids, you understand that responsibility, right? And I only say that because, like I said, I have kids. And I remember when my son was younger, uh, I had a teammate or whatnot. Sometimes, you know, you just dad, you just dad. But I remember I used to tell my son, I used to be like, Chris, if you don't do this, DeAndre Jordan gonna be mad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh-huh. and he straightened up. So, you know, whether you want to or not, they're watching. Yes. They're watching. Yes. Our kids are watching and they're paying attention. So um, it's a huge responsibility. So you just need to be aware and conscious of it. Now, I know that you have a nonprofit and, and, and it's all about giving back. 
Um, and I want to ask you a question, though, man, just because sometimes I can be honest and tell you that I almost feel like it's unfair for everyone to expect you guys to have something that is always in the public space, that all of your giving, all of your contributions, everything that you do, that it's got to be a post, that it's got to be a social media moment. And sometimes that can take away from the heart, but because now you're trying to live up to the expectations of everyone. And do you feel sometimes even that pressure? Absolutely. And um, I think that's one of the things that I think, uh, you know, I've I've been growing with is understanding that at the end of the day, we all sort of just want to be happy. Mm. You know what I mean? And I know that sounds like a song. <laughs> it sounds like a song, but it's real life. Ladies and gentlemen, he's just giving me another plug again. That's another plug from um, no, no, no. My, my friend Chris Paul, Want to Be Happy. It's off one of my albums. Thank you. God bless. <laughs> it's it's real though, because you you realize at some point in life you spend a lot of time trying to make sure everyone else is happy and making sure everyone else is good, but you 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 can't try to live by somebody else's standards of what they expect you to be or who they think you should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the hardest part for us all because they put you up on this pedestal and tell you, "Oh, you do this, you do this, you do that." Man, listen. You do what you're going to do. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm going to be happy. Do you feel that you always have to show it to let the people know that it's happening? Or have you not caved into no. that that level of pressure yet? No, no. I, I think once you get comfortable and know who you are, right? Yeah. And you know who you are, uh, then that doesn't matter. Yeah. Then that doesn't matter. You know, you don't. you don't have to... Post, oh, I did this, I did that, you know, is as long as you know what you've done in your heart, I think that is the real like sign of like giving, you know, stewardship of helping others. And so I agree with you. Yeah, you don't have to. So then it doesn't always have to be public. It doesn't always have to be something that everybody can see for it to still be effective. And I think that's beautiful. Even what you're doing with your nonprofit, you you're doing something with HBCUs, right? Now you want me to tell you about it, huh? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. What? I'm kidding. What I'm was kidding. that? What was that? I <laughs> no, feel a little something. I'm saying, <laughs> no, because you said you ain't got to talk about it. You can just do it. But it's not a, it's not a secret anyway. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a secret. I'm, I'm actually currently enrolled at HBCU at Winston-Salem State University. Are you serious? Yeah, Kirk. So everyone in my family went to HBCUs except for me. Right. I went to Wake Forest University and I'm extremely grateful for my two years that I went there. But because I grew up, you know, in North Carolina, around A&T, around Livingstone, North Carolina Central, all these schools, um, we, we just started doing a lot of work for these different HBCUs and trying to make sure that they get the proper funding. Beautiful. I got a show coming out on ESPN in February where we've been following North Carolina Central University, uh, HBCU and Raleigh. So, yeah. So, wait a minute. You can't just stop there. What are you studying? Um, communications. I'm a major in communications. So, uh, it's funny. I went to Wake Forest, which is in Winston-Salem. Winston-Salem State is in Winston-Salem. It's about 10 minutes apart. So, I did two years at Wake, and I plan on graduating from Winston-Salem State whenever I get enough credits. 
Now you're just showing out. Now you're just showing out. So we got 10-time <laughs> NBA All-Star, four-time NBA, um, Hall of Fame, Rookie of the Year, McDonald's. You got the rib and mustard green uh, taco uh, shack. And, and <laughs> you got the cooking with Chris show. <laughs> Where is that taco shack you talking about? You know, I'm plant-based now. You I'm, know, I don't have no ribs. I, I know that. We, back in the day, I did. Hold on. You know what? And we got hit that real quick. So during Thanksgiving... When you go to the crib and now that you plant based, how your mama deal with that? Oh, she she cool with it. She know what it is. You know, my grandma who had to issue at first because of that fat back. Yeah. But I don't eat that no more. I don't eat chitlins and none of that no more. You wait, changed my hold life. On, hold on. You don't eat no chitlins and you from Carolina? And you a not black anymore. man? Not, not anymore. <laughs> oh, but I bet you not anymore. But I bet if I catch you on a weekday when you down and discouraged. And I bet if I bring a trough, <laughs> I bet if I bring a trough of chitlins. <laughs> Chris, Chris. When you down and discouraged. When you down and discouraged, a trough of chitlins will bring you out. <laughs> Chris, I want to know, man, you know, you've done so much. You're back in school. You're killing it. You know, you, you know you, you're the daddy and husband and, and you know, you're just leaving a legacy. And, and I know that you got to think about it whenever you feel that that time, that clock, whenever that moment, whenever that that horizon, that sunset starts to pull on your heart, what's next for you? Man, that's, a, that's a great question. It's year 16 in the NBA. And um, over the years, I've always been intrigued by business, right? Because, you know, they tell you when you come in the league, you know, what you going to do when that ball starts bouncing? And I used to be like, man, that ball ain't gonna stop bouncing for a long time. I hear you. I hear you. Fortunately, I was right, but I'm closer to being done than I am from being started. Um, I have a number of businesses that I, uh, I've invested in, that I own. I have a production company. I do a, a, a lot of different things, but basketball is still like my heart. Yeah. Like my heart. I love the game today like I did when I was five years old. Wow. You know? And so um, whenever that time comes and I'm done playing, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really, really hard. I don't care how much money I got or how many businesses I got set up. Basketball is a way that I express myself. Sort of my happy place. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, when, when I'm done, what I want to do is I want to enjoy my family. <laughs> you know, uh, people always ask, am I going to be an NBA coach? I always say there's no chance. I would like to be the owner of a team. Come on, man. Point. Come on, man. Because I want to go to my kids' events. Wow. Like my dad, my mom and dad, my mama was always a team mom. My dad was always the coach. I don't get to do any of that for my kids, mm. right? Like my, my wife has been unbelievable in doing all these things and she's had to be mom and dad in a lot of situations and i want to i want to be there and she's so dope too please tell her i said hi bro please tell her i said hi we'll do more with father husband and nba all-star cp3 when good words returns Families have a lot going on. 
Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What advice can you give some young players? Uh, as a matter of fact, when I finish talking to you, I'm going to uh, say something to a whole bunch of uh, young high school boys that are signing today. There, there's a coach here that asked me to jump on a Zoom and just said something encouraging to a lot of young boys that are about to sign to college. What is something that as a successful man that was still able to keep his faith? Because Chris, you know that that's rare. Mm-hmm. To be able to have success and keep faith, that is not easy, brother. That's not easy. Right. What advice can you give a young athlete, a young black athlete coming up about the value of having a relationship with God when all they've seen is a lot of the negativity, church hurt, you know, they've seen pastors with the whip, but the church, you know, church raggedy, ain't got no AC. You know what I'm saying? What, what could you say? Yeah, I think one of the things that I would say to him is don't let this be the best or the biggest day of your career, right? Like this signing day, like after today is get back to work. You got to have like a workman mentality. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Like I'm I'm 16 years in and I still work like like I'm a rookie. Yes, sir. Right? And and the thing that I always ask people and and you should ask them this Kurt, you say what's your why? I'm going to do that. Like, what's your why? And, and at the end of the day, when you say what's your why, and they say what you mean, listen, if you want to keep it 100, like everybody be honest, why do you want to be successful? Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you love basketball, football, whatever, what is it? Like, for some people, it's girls. Yeah. You know? For some people, it's, it's money. Some people, it's fame. Some people, is I want a new situation for my family. Yes. Right? Yes. And whatever your why is... Like, I know what my why was. Not only did I love it, but my granddad was somewhat a provider for my family. And I sort of wanted to take on that role. Like, I remember when I got to the NBA, I was like, cool, I'll be able to get, you know, my mom this, get my brother this, I can do this. And then as the years kept going on, because, you know, Kurt, it it doesn't slow down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. 
it doesn't slow down, you know, and then and then your roles sort of change. Like at one point I was like, OK, I've been able to do this. And then it's like, all right, that's that's not enough. Now I want to put my family in position so that they can succeed without me. Mm, wow. <laughs> so so the thing is, what's your why? And if you really serious about it and we talked about it being competitive, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, you oh, you telling me I can't do it. All right. Watch this. <laughs> what's your why? What's your why? What is your why? I love it. As a matter of fact, I love it so much, man, that I really feel that, you know, since you've got these businesses, I really feel that there's a new one, man, you can do. We can, as I feel like we can open up a place, and I'm serious about this, we can open up a spot and we can sell basketball, beepers, and Bibles. What what you think of that? (laughs) Basketball, beepers, and Bibles. Man, these kids won't even know what a beeper is. Man. They don't know nothing about that. How I used to have to page my mama to come pick me up from camp. I had to hit her on her pager. Come on, man. Come on, man. I am so excited about all you're doing. It has been an honor to talk to you, King, man. And and just thank you for just leading as I see you leading, man. And I see you not compromising that you rock with God, man. And and thank you for showing up in the verse of battle, man. We were looking at you all in the comments. We're like, CP3 up is, is man. That was so man, crazy I to see you up in there. Man, that was so- I know every song. What's your favorite? Oh man, this is gonna sound so self-serving, but I gotta know because you so dope. What's your favorite Kirk song? Man, favorite song? Hold on, man. I got too many of them. I got too many of them. I got a whole playlist right here that I listened to before the game. All right, all right, all right. Okay, now since it seems like you may need a little help narrowing it down, how about if I pick a couple for you? Let's play one for them, y'all. Come on, man. Come on, man. Yeah, Chris. It's over now. It's over now. Wow. Wow. It's over now. I feel like I can make it. The storm okay, is okay, over now. Okay, 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 okay. Now, why <laughs> do you like on that now. one? Why do you like that one? Hey, man, listen. The way they come in on that, you know what I mean? If I walk alone, I'm not on my own. Like, these songs take me to a place. Like, for real. Wow. Like, my church. Like, I remember it was an evening service, and one of my uh, football teammates, his cousin, that's... That's crazy. I remember this. His cousin led that song, sang that song at my church. Oh, man. When I was young, yep. I was young. You just called me old. See, that okay, song. Cool. I get it. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah, ain't yeah, nobody yeah. calling you old. These is, what, what else you got? I can Next do this song. all Next day. One. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Next I can one. do this all day. <laughs> what, what you got for him? Oh, my God. This is crazy. Young people going to stand up real quick. Come dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh Lord. Oh Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Chris Paul's favorite songs. These are Chris's favorite songs, y'all. Come on. Sing it. When I close my eyes, I think of you <laughs> and reminisce of all the things you do. Oh. I can't imagine my life without Same you. Chris. 
It's like paradise Sing now. Chris. I know that it's real. It's mm-hmm. all mystery. Sing Chris. Someone do that and just for me. <laughs> what you did on Calvary Woo. makes me want to love you okay, more. Okay, that's it. I never that's knew. It. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. I ain't playing with you, man. I ain't playing with you. I ain't playing with you. I ain't got time for hey. this because you ain't going to make me cry Is I'm a thug. <laughs> Is I'm a Christian thug, and you ain't gonna make me cry. Is I'm a thug, all right? Is I'm a thug, you ain't gonna cry. You ain't gonna have me crying, but I want you to know (laughs) that it's an honor to know, man, that I've been on your journey with you. That is very humbling, bro. Thank you so much. Thank you. Chris. Kurt, listen, Kurt, if I I feel any slight turbulence on a plane, (laughs) I'll put you right on. (laughs) I'll put you right on. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm a bad flyer. Yo, Chris, give me, yo, man, give me last words of wisdom, man. Just some, some young player, some young man trying to figure out, man, you know, did God forget them? Maybe there's just, you know, not even athletes, just a regular person that feels like that their dreams or, or that life ain't going to never get better for them, man. You have any words of wisdom that you can leave? Yeah. I, anything you want to say? I think my words of wisdom is never think that you you have to be perfect. Mm. You have to be perfect. I think a lot of times, especially those who grow up in the church or go away from the church because, you know, they feel like they're being judged or whatnot. We all battle with who we are and what we're supposed to be. But um, whatever type of faith you have, I think this is always funny to me. Like whenever somebody like who doesn't believe in a higher being or whatever, whenever something gets hard or get in church, they be like, God, help. You know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I think I think the thing is just continue to search and understand that you hopefully are not alone on this journey and understand that any, anything can happen. I would have never thought as a kid, you know what I mean? Seriously, like sitting in church and singing and like, I'm telling you, Kurt, like this is still so surreal to me, like for to to sit here and even talk and have this conversation with you that like, Anything is possible. Wow. All of this stuff and like your dreams and all that stuff really can come true. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to help me thank future Hall of Famer, one of the greatest ever to do it. They call him CP3. Y'all know him as Chris Paul. Thank you, brother. Kurt, I appreciate you. There's so many of you listening to this that if truth be told, you've had your own levels of tragedy and heartache and loss. And for some people, tragedy can make them so bitter that they can't see that they still have a future. There's so many of you that when you have seen so many bad times that it can make you be so bitter in your process that you don't realize that you're running with weight on and you can never run the full speed that you were created to accomplish your dreams and goals. But I need for you to understand that no matter how dark life has been in your beginning, It does not mean that your end will look the same. Talking to Chris today and hearing about the loss of his grandfather and and how difficult that was for him and how painful it was for him, it did not stop him from still knowing and seeing that the dreams of his grandfather were able to be lived out in him, that he was able to finish running the race. And the way that you run that race is that you must be consistent in putting in the work. The dream cannot just stay on the dream level. There's got to be the blood and the sweat that is also accompanying whatever vision that you have for yourself. So that means that you've got to be a step ahead of knowing that what is for you is for you. 
but it will not wait on you for you to just spend time complaining about what was. Embrace what is and make what is better. Whatever that plan is, be consistent about working at it. Be consistent at your preparation. Be consistent in your sacrifice because it's going to cost you something. Nothing great will come without a price. And listen, whatever the dream is, it is yours and do not put it on the measuring block of what others expect for your dream to be. Do not look at what the other people are doing because if you keep looking at another person's race, you'll end up not winning yours. Even though you may not be where you want to be, don't give up on yourself. You're still a work in progress. And you know what I love what's so dope about God? God does not wear a watch. <laughs> so he's not looking for you to hurry up because you're running out of time. Some people in their senior years are now experiencing a whole nother level of success because God does not rock a watch. And you are always available for your season. And again, it won't be easy, but nothing great is. And when you get there, make sure that you look back and pull somebody else up with you. Make sure that you not only share with them the victories, but also let them know what it costs so they'll be prepared to write the check themselves. And when you get there, my question to you is, why? Why was the work put in? Why did you make all the sacrifices? Why did you do it? Was it just for a check? Was it just for something tangible that'll fade away? Or was it because you realized that the work was also making you greater? Because one thing that will never go out, one thing that will never fade away, is who you are at the deeper level of you. Clothes will go out of style, music will go out of style, so many things will go in and out of style, but the true you will always be relevant. And so the why, only you can answer. I've enjoyed talking to CP3. I'm so excited to see what you will be when all of this is over. I know we still have difficult days ahead, but the difficulty is also tailor-made for your greatness, and I will be rooting and cheering for you because I know what the end result will be. It will be beautiful. Thank y'all so much for listening to Good Words with Kirk Franklin. If you'd like to support the show, please rate us and leave a review on your podcast app. Good Words with Kirk Franklin is a collaboration between For Your Soul Entertainment, Sony Music, Provident Entertainment, and Spoke Media. We're produced by Trey Jones and Cody Hoffmachel with help from Alicia Force and John Yale Kastner. Our executive producers, Keisha T.K. Dutess with Aaliyah Tabakolian and Keith Reynolds. This episode was mixed by Will Short. The rest of our team is Reese Brooks and Michael Havens from For Your Soul, Ron Hill and Phil Thornton from Provident Entertainment. And a very special thank you to the Sony Podcast team. Let's go. Let's go.